Hey y'all, welcome back to Ego Chic. My name is Laura Diaz. I hope you're doing really well today. Today's episode is all about getting ready for spooky season, thinking a little bit about sustainability as we enter the holidays, particularly Halloween. And I'm excited about this episode because I feel like this is a topic really reminiscent of my early days in my sustainability journey. I want to think about conscious consumerism through the holidays, of course, and through these little special occasions that we can make just a bit more sustainable with some conscious consumerism. And then, of course, on the flip side, we must recognize that there is a really intense amount of waste that's associated with the holidays, not just Halloween, but of course, the Christmas holiday season, Thanksgiving, when we're thinking about food waste, when we're thinking about excess decor, when we're thinking about buying gifts for people, when we could be buying experiences. There's so many little choices that we can make that align more closely with those environmentalist values. Every year, I do put out a Black Friday episode, and I really like that one. I really look forward to putting out that episode, and I feel like it's always the most aligned with a good time of year for us to remember and keep those environmental conscious consumerism values top of mind. But I don't think we've ever really discussed Halloween season, and there are two major topics that I'd like to discuss around Halloween, and that is the candy, of course, just what we think of when we think of Halloween, when we think of trick-or-treating, and then also the waste. If you enjoy this episode, if you learn a little something, make sure to share it with a friend, post it on your Instagram story at Podcast. All my links are always down below if you want to get in touch. I'm all over social. And I also just wanted to give a quick housekeeping update. Due to some scheduling conflicts and things going on in my own personal life, I unfortunately cannot promise the episode 200 Chic Chats Extravaganza with listener Collins that I was really excited to put together. I'm really sorry about this, and I wish that I could continue, but I just want to say thank you so much for supporting the show and getting us to 200 episodes. It is really amazing, and I can't believe that we are so, so close, and I look forward to putting out a chic shots and inviting listeners on to speak on a central topic very, very soon. Now let's talk about the low-hanging fruit of the Halloween season. When we think about Halloween, we definitely think about candy. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But if you are not of a trick-or-treating age, if you don't have children of trick-or-treating age, I feel like the most obvious way that you're participating in any sort of spooky season festivities is around decor and around costumes. Now, I want to really emphasize, I'm not demonizing decor. I'm not saying that you can't celebrate the holidays with decor if you're an environmentalist. I think that's a really silly mindset around this because I'm all about just doing what you love a little bit more consciously, but it is really easy and really tempting to walk into a TJ Maxx and just buy all the pumpkins, buy all the gourds, buy all of the things with the little Halloween puns on them. And then you're really using them once a year. They're getting stored in a Tupperware bin, in a closet, or in your garage or something. And then you're not touching it again until next October, where you may very well also be tempted to add to that collection because you've got another trip to TJ Maxx coming up. And I feel like this is the perfect time of year to think really critically about those impulse decor purchases or things that you're purchasing that can't necessarily be reused for multiple events or throughout the season. So Halloween specific things versus perhaps just general fall decor, because this is the start of seasonal decor season, I suppose, for lack of a better description. If you're someone who likes to buy really specific Halloween decor, perhaps you may also be someone who likes to buy really specific 
Thanksgiving decor and really specific Christmas decor. And then you end up accumulating these bundles of things that you're just using for very short periods of time and you're holding on to. And very often when you are buying at mass market stores, when you're buying from discount stores, you don't really know all that much about the businesses and it's really hard to make sure that you're spending your dollars with someone that is really aligned with your values. A lot of the tips around conscious consumerism that we share here on the show or that a lot of people share, especially I like to think of this in the sense of fashion or consumer goods. When you're making a purchase, you really wanna research the brand, you wanna look at their sustainability commitments, what do they do about waste? What is their ESG scores if you're buying stocks? You know, there's so many little research things that you can do to feel really good about those consumer purchases. And then when you're impulse buying at a furniture store because it's really cute decor, because Halloween's coming up and you want to decorate for the neighborhood, it's really easy to kind of forego that practice that you had of researching the brand and getting into that conscious consumerism mindset. Again, that's not to say that you shouldn't buy ultra-specific seasonal Halloween or Thanksgiving decor if that's something that you really love, but that's also to say that perhaps we should think more broadly and we should practice more broad seasonal decor. Again, like let's buy things in browns and oranges because it's just general fall, good for the entire season, good for two or three months before we switch over to red and green, whatever it may be. This is also, of course, a great opportunity for us to practice secondhand shopping, looking on Facebook Marketplace, buying things at thrift stores, buying things locally and supporting local communities, local crafters, artisans that we may find at perhaps farmer's markets or little craft stores in our area. This is a really great time to practice those same conscious consumerism values that we like to really stick true to throughout the rest of the year. Seasonal decor doesn't have to be any different. And then by that same token, it is so easy to keep all of our fashion practices when it comes to costumes. It's really tempting, I'm sure, to buy a bagged costume or to buy things on Amazon because you're looking for something last minute. But I feel like the hack to Halloween costumes when you're thinking about conscious consumerism is really planning ahead. If you have a concept in mind, if you've got this character you're trying to recreate, we want to think about that as far in advance as we can so we can keep our eyes peeled at thrift stores so we can think about what our friends have and what we can ask to borrow. We can think about repurposing things in our closet, DIYing. I feel like Halloween is the perfect time for us to like finally take up sewing. I know I've been telling myself that, that I've been wanting to do that forever. This is the season to do it. For something that you're wearing one night or perhaps for one weekend, it seems a little silly to fall into the trap of just buying a costume on Amazon, buying a costume at a big box store, at a spirit Halloween, whatever it may be. It is so unnecessary. They're inexpensive. This is fast fashion at its absolute peak. And this is, again, very often a situation where we can't check on brands, we can't check on supply chains, we can't check on how ethical the labor was going into the creation of the costume. It's so, so easy to fall back on all of the things that you value because you're in a time crunch and you've got to go to a party tomorrow night. Shop your own closet, shop your friend's closets, shop secondhand, and just think a little bit more broadly on how you can get creative without necessarily falling back into those fast fashion habits that we are trying so hard to break. What if I told you there was a product out there to help tackle your impact on the climate crisis by using it just once a day? There is, and believe it or not, it's actually a credit card. Introducing the Aspiration Zero credit card. Aspiration Zero is the first credit card that fights climate change by planting trees with every single swipe. 
The way it works is really simple. With an Aspiration Zero credit card, you plant two trees with every purchase you make. And two trees soak up about the same amount of CO2 from the air as the average American puts out every day. And along with the reward of knowing that you've turned buying a latte into a way to do your part to save the planet, you get the other kind of green reward too, cash. Unlimited 1% cash back on all monthly purchases when you hit carbon zero for the month. I've worked with Aspiration before, I've talked about them before, I've talked about divesting and big banks before, and I really believe in the Aspiration model, so I encourage you to check them out. Thanks to people like you, like me, Aspiration has made a huge impact and already planted 75 million trees. Make your dollars make a difference. Apply for the Aspiration Zero credit card today and earn a $300 welcome bonus after spending $3,000 in your first 90 days. Apply right now at aspiration.com slash ecochic to go carbon neutral effortlessly and earn a $300 bonus. Go to aspiration.com slash ecochic. The Aspiration Zero MasterCard is issued by Beneficial State Bank, pursuant to license by MasterCard International Incorporated. Good credit required. Terms and conditions apply. The link will be in the show notes. Quick break to tell you about our sponsor today, Dame. Here's the deal. Having a pleasure practice is good for you. It can improve the quality of your sleep, help you de-stress, relieve pain, and give you that lit from within glow as you go about your day. But most importantly, exploring pleasure on your own helps you get in touch with yourself and learn more about what you like. So check out Air, the suction vibrator from Dame Products. Air is a powerful arousal tool for fans of oral stimulation. Or if you're looking to share pleasure, Dame Products has also designed Eva, the first hands-free vibrator for couples. Boost pleasure and connection with a little toy that won't get in the way. Designed to enhance, not distract from pleasure, Eva is your sex life's new best friend. And whether you go with Air or Eva or both, Dame Products also has sex oil, an all-natural full-body massage oil formulated with arousing ingredients that you should definitely check out. The best part is that Dame offers hassle-free returns within 60 days, so satisfaction is literally guaranteed. Go to dameproducts.com and use code ECOCHIC today for 15% off site-wide. That's ECOCHIC to take 15% off your first order at dameproducts.com. I'll have the link and code in the show notes. Now back to our combo. Now let's talk about Halloween candy. This is kind of a fun topic. I don't think I've ever gotten anywhere close to the Halloween candy conversation. And there are really two big discussions that I'd like us to be aware of. Of course, this is a short episode. This is not a deep dive investigative journalism piece on chocolate or on palm oil, but I'd really like us to just start thinking a little bit about ingredients. And again, conscious consumerism, these values that we hold really high the rest of the year. This doesn't have to be our time to trip up just because we're unaware or we are just buying things because we're in a last minute pinch, things that we're not thinking that deeply about. I like to have these conversations just because I want you to have the research. Of course, I always link articles in the show notes and I look forward to having deeper dive conversations on anything it is that you want to know more about. But let's start off with chocolate. I think chocolate is a really interesting industry to talk about from a sustainability perspective because I feel like even the most deeply involved environmentalist only really hears kind of rumblings about the unethical side of chocolate. It's a huge, huge industry that we really don't know that much about. So I'd like to give a really high level overview. Again, I've got some articles linked in the show notes that break down this issue in a lot more detail. About two-thirds of the world's cocoa supply comes from West Africa, 
where, according to the U.S. Labor Department, over 2 million children are endangered in dangerous labor related to growing cocoa. The chocolate industry is a notoriously bad actor and one of the industries that is most closely tied to child labor and unethical, unpaid, really dangerous working conditions for these child laborers that we're talking about. Now, again, this is a concept that the U.S. Labor Department has looked into. This is something that environmentalists kind of rumble about in the background. And the biggest chocolate companies in the world acknowledge that there may or may not be child labor involved. No one can say with certainty whether these brands are aware or participating. I mean, we know and they know and nothing is really getting done after commitment after commitment. The biggest best known brands in chocolate, of course, are Hershey, Mars, and Nestle. None of these brands can guarantee that their chocolates are produced without child labor. They've actually all come out and made statements to say that perhaps child labor is happening and they will do their best to look more deeply into their supply chain, but they cannot make any guarantees at this point in time. And when I say this point in time, there has been commitments by all of these brands, again, Hershey, Mars, Nestle, other smaller chocolate brands have come out and also made commitments to eradicate child labor from their supply chains. And these commitments started over 20 years ago. So in the year 2000, 2001 for many of these brands, and none of these commitments have been met, much less closely followed up on or acknowledged with any serious research or backed information. Everything's a little vague when it comes out of these big bad chocolate brands. One of the reasons that the brands and we as consumers really don't have that much information on the specifics around the child labor involved in the cocoa industry is that very often chocolate companies just claim that they still cannot identify the farms where all of their cocoa comes from. And then, of course, much less while they can't identify the farms, they certainly cannot claim to identify when or whether child labor was used in producing that cocoa. I found these numbers really interesting in a Washington Post article. Again, it'll be linked in the show notes. Mars, who makes M&Ms and Milky Way, claims to only be able to trace 24% of its cocoa back to farms. Hershey claims that they can trace less than 50% of their cocoa back to its particular farms. And Nestle says it can trace 49% of its global cocoa supply back to the farms, again, largely in West Africa. There were actually two Supreme Court cases last year in 2021 where lawyers argued that children as young as five were working on cocoa farms in really hazardous conditions, and some of the victims that came to speak at the Supreme Court had quite serious, quite detailed allegations around their being held in slavery as children. The two cases involving child labor and slavery allegations in the chocolate industry were Nestle USA versus Doe 1 and Cargill Inc. versus Doe 1. And both cases were brought up by groups of individuals, so it's not one person making these claims against a chocolate company, it's multiple groups of people, class action style. And actually, U.S. and foreign companies have been sued over 150 times in the last 25 years under what is called the Alien Tort Statue which of course involves U.S. companies and individuals from other countries, other nationalities. 
the Supreme Court ruled that U.S.-based chocolate companies cannot be sued for child slavery on African farms from which they buy their cocoa. If you are totally appalled by all this information on the chocolate industry and you're wondering what you're going to give out to trick-or-treaters this year if you're not buying from Hershey or Nestle or another big brand that can't trace its supply chain, we have two big alternatives. One is, frankly, just avoid chocolate. Let's go with some other type of candy that we can give out, like lollipop. Nerds are kind of like a secret sustainability candy, I feel like, because they come in a little cardboard box. You could be at the house that avoids candy altogether and you can give out little pencils or craft materials or friendship bracelets or whatever it may be. I saw an idea online of giving out quarters to trick-or-treaters, like giving every kid a little coin, a little bit of money. I thought that was a cute idea. And then your alternative, if you are just buying for yourself, for some of your friends, I feel like these are also really nice hostess gifts, are conscious or more ethical brands in the chocolate industry. Most immediately, I think of Tony's Chocolate, or I think it's called Choco Lonely, and they make 100% slave-free chocolate, which they are working towards becoming the norm. I've heard a lot of great things about Alter Eco Truffles. It's fair trade, palm oil free, compostable. I feel like you can buy them at Whole Foods, don't quote me on that, but I've heard really, really great things about them. And another great brand to look out for if you're looking for ethical chocolate for yourself is Equal Exchange Chocolate Minis, ethically sourced, 100% paper, and relatively affordable if you buy it directly from the co-op. The other ingredient to really heavily consider when we're talking about chocolate, conscious consumerism, one that we may think about often in our food buying purchases, is palm oil. I've talked about palm oil briefly in the past. I don't want to get too deep into it because this is a really nuanced conversation, but palm oil plantations very often rely on forced labor as well, the same way that chocolate does. And palm oil is one of the largest contributors to deforestation globally. According to the World Wildlife Fund, palm oil contributes to the equivalent of 300 football fields every hour. That's really, really intense. There is, of course, a reason that palm oil is so popular. It's because it's a very powerful oil. You can get a lot of... I suppose efficiency is the word out of palm oil compared to other oils. It's about three times more potent, more powerful. It goes a lot farther. So it makes sense that it's a crop that is so heavily invested in and relied upon across the food industry, not just in candy, of course, but palm oil is in just about everything we eat, in all of our chapsticks, in all of our lotions. Palm oil is absolutely rampant, and I think that this deserves, again, its own standalone conversation because there is a lot of nuance to the palm oil conversation, but it's something that you may want to look into on your own and think more deeply about. Of course, this is something else that we find in candy, and this is another reason to think more deeply about your purchases, what brands you're supporting, who can actually identify their supply chains, is your candy contributing to deforestation, all of these like pretty heavy conversations that you may want to have with yourself during what we think of as a really fun time of year. Last thing around candy and waste, 
I'm of course not going to advocate that you buy in bulk or repackage your treats that you're giving out to trick-or-treaters. I feel like there's a lot of reasons that parents don't want that to end up in their kid's little plastic pumpkin. But if you are buying for yourself, if you're buying for your home or you're bringing something to the office, that's a great opportunity to buy in bulk and you can make your own little treat bags. You can focus on things that are wrapped in, again, cardboard like nerds that I mentioned earlier, things that are wrapped in foil that you can dispose of or recycle really easily like those little dove chocolates and then if you're doing something for yourself or doing something with your friends think about baking something think about cooking something personal for the season and don't feel pressured to buy mini candies just because you see it at a store and it's kind of the thing to do this season if you're someone who likes to bake who wants to get into the uh, spooky season spirit this is the perfect opportunity for you to stay really aligned with who you are the rest of the year and just get into a little bit more of a festive mode. I'll leave us there. I hope you enjoyed this episode. This was a fun one for me to put together. Again, I like this time of year. I love Halloween and I encourage us all to, again, stay true to our values. Think about that conscious consumerism. Think about supply chains, do our own research. It's a really fun time of year and it's also fun to challenge yourself a little bit to participate in these activities while not necessarily giving up too much of those environmental values you've picked up at other points. This is not a time to punish ourselves or feel bad or feel restricted. It's just a time to challenge ourselves again in bringing in, incorporating some of those qualities and some of those tricks and treats we've learned throughout the rest of the year. Just again, a little bit more festive, a little spooky season. And when we start now in the fall, perhaps with Halloween, we can take this through the season, through Thanksgiving, through Christmas, through New Year's. There's another really wasteful holiday. And I feel like it's just a fun way to close off the year. I hope you have a great rest of your week and I will talk to you really soon. Bye.